What is up, guys, and welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And I'm James. And we are back, James, with another topical Tuesday discussion. Topical Tuesday. Indeed, yes. And you were told what the subject was about five minutes ago? Yeah, I love it when you do that. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about this today. Thanks. So, I hope you've got your notes ready, James, you know, with your five minutes of preparation. But that's one of the best things about a topical discussion is they're a bit more free-flowing because if we're really that affected by the topic, we should have things to say of it just off the cusp, really. Are you looking forward to this discussion? I am. Yeah? Good. Well, before we dive into that, let's remind the lovely listeners that, of course, we will have Paul here a little bit later to bring you this week's news kickstarters and game founds and every other thing that he wants me to spend my money on but uh other than that should we just dive straight into it let's make this a nice quick one today yeah, so that we can it. play some more games okie dokie so for those of you that are listening to this i guess you would have seen the uh the title for this episode so you'll probably know what we're talking about anyway but what we are going to be talking about in this particular topical discussion is when setting up a game becomes such a chore that it kind of puts you off playing the game. Now, I actually have a fair few in my collection where this has unfortunately happened, including some of my favourites. So this is actually quite a serious thing for me. But I think how I came to wanting to do this as a discussion, James, is ever since we were allowed to start meeting up again and the game club started starting, we, as gamers we have been favoring those big box games which have fairly big setups for most of them would you say yeah and that brought back the the inevitable issue after a while of oh i can't i really can't be bothered yeah to set up this game have you too tired i've had a long day at work do i really want to invest that extra half an hour 45 minutes into setting this thing up it's like i mean the game's good but uh yeah exactly and it's just, it's it's concerning, really, because as I said, some of my favourite games fall into this category. Have you mm. found it with, I know you only really own Nemesis, but have you ever found <laughs> that with Nemesis? Yes, I own the game with the long sound time. <laughs> um, I mean, there's kind of a spur. We were talking about it before we started recording, a spur discussion from this, because when I first got it, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But Nemesis is one of those games where... The more you play it, the more you learn the setup. Therefore, the setup becomes quicker and it is now bearable. Yeah. But there are some games out there where it's no matter how well you know it, uh, how many times you've played it, the setup still is an absolute mission. I mean, I guess things like, I mean, they're they're not terrible, but games like Scythe and that where you've got, you know, the random teams that get put, not not teams, but, you know, you've got to match your character with with, with the, the industry and all that. And it's just sort of like... Yep. It's it's so much to do, and so many of those games I mean, it, recommend that the other players are there to do it, and it's just sort of like, a game like this I'd rather have set up so that when people arrive, off we go. So yeah, I mean, that's just a couple of examples that, are, that I'm already throwing out there, you know, Scythe and, and Nemesis, and another one for me are deck builders. Deck builders are some of the worst, yep. really, for this. But, I mean, have you ever seen any games that have that you've looked at or even just looked at and gone oh my god yeah uh what you mean was that i haven't played but 
you see someone playing it or you're seeing it out on the table and you go, oh, wow, I bet the setup for that's an absolute mm. beep, beep, beep. Well, um, yeah. The, well, the one that's got to spring to my mind is something like Twilight Imperium 4. Yeah. I've, I've never played it, but there's so much there. Yeah. I just take one look at that game and go, I bet that's an absolute what's it to say. Yeah, and, and the few, you know, again, I haven't played this game for full disclosure. But in fact, no, that's a lot. I have many, many moons ago, but I can't remember what it was like to set up or anything like that. But the people that we have spoken to that play this on the regular, turning around and saying, yeah, we set aside at least an hour to, you know, set this up before people even turn up. It's just when you have to set aside time that, you could play a play a whole game in. Yep. It it starts to beg the question, is it really worth it? And yeah, a lot of these games are great, but is it worth the fact that eventually you're going to get to that mindset of I really can't be bothered and I'd rather play something else. Yeah. At which point that amazing game is just sat there. But does it do that though, or does it transition into one of those games where it's like you only break it out every once in a while so it is mm. then ends up as that it is that special game it's like you know what yes we are in the mood for this and it almost makes the game even more enjoyable so i haven't mm. played this for ages and i'm in the mood for it and everyone else is in the mood for it so epic games ahead yeah. i mean i guess that 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 does happen occasionally like the two that are in my collection that really spring to mind are one of my favorites being a deck builder marvel legendary mm. It's just such a pain to set everything up because, you know, after every game, I reset everything so it's all in the correct place. So it's actually a a much more streamlined setup for me because of the way I've set it all out. But then when you're, oh, we're changing characters, right? So that's got to be taken out. This has got to be rebuilt. Oh, we're changing the villains, right? That's got to come out. This has got to go in. This has got to come out. This has got to go in. Oh, and then we're changing this. We're changing that. We're changing that. So literally, you're starting from scratch Mm. every single time. And it is a faff. And it's just cards. You know, another game would be Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid. I love that game. For nostalgia, the, the, the game play, it's a very, very good game. But it's gotten to the point again where it's like, well, while it's not a huge board, there's lots of tokens, there's lots of miniatures. I've got to figure out, you know, what villain we want to go against, what, what monsters we're going to go against. Mm. Then I've got to build the decks. It's got a little bit of deck building aspect to it. You know, before I've even sat down to play the game, and that has started to take its toll on me. Where I just, I really want to play this game, but I cannot be bothered mm. to set this up, especially as again something like Power Rangers and Marvel. Everyone wants to choose who they want to play as, which means they've got to be there. Yep. Which also adds in the extra struggle of, oh, let us help you set up. No. Yeah, because that would just be worse. It would take longer. Yeah, because then I'll have to explain to you, mm-hmm. especially if you've not played it before. Oh, yeah, can I, is there anything I can do to help? It's like, no, no, I've already got to explain the rules to you. Please don't make me explain the setup as well. <laughs> exactly. So have you ever have you ever had that when, you, when you've been setting up Nemesis? I know that I've helped you a couple of times, but again, I you know, know how to set the yeah, game I, up. So. I'm, uh, I don't know if this makes me sound like a bad person. No, I'm particular in who I will allow to actually help me set it up mm-hmm. and it's people who basically know what they're doing already yeah, yeah. or it'll be yeah put the doors together yes put the doors yeah. on the standees or get the tokens out of the box it's something <laughs> simple <laughs> just make piles because at least then i can see it at a glance sort of yeah. thing yeah so would you say that this 
particular problem is limited to just big games or would you can you think of any small games that might suffer from this or do you reckon there's a reason that they don't suffer from it? not off the top of my head but again small box games are those pretty much every one i've come across is specifically designed for no no just dump the bits out on the table and get going mm, yeah i mean we played one uh very recently which was the uh, reign of cthulhu the pandemic systems game yeah uh, your first experience of the pandemic system indeed and how easy was that to set up oh, when, was, when we played that that was what we were from opening the box lid we were gaming in what 10 minutes uh, at most uh, uh, 10 minutes at most yeah and that and that included a quick refresh of the rules for me yeah so that i mean that's what you're talking about when you're talking let's get a game and let's just let's, let's crack one out nice and quickly mm. you know a nice short game and doesn't mean that it was a boring game either it's a very very good game mm. granted it is pretty simple in comparison but is that what causes these massive setup times is it, is it the complexity yeah i, I, I think it's com- complexity and how much is physically in the box you know it, it, the reason the big box games comes in a big box is not half half of it is usually just getting the stuff out of the box and yeah unless you've got a really good box insert that you've invested in which keeps it organized mm. um that's something i i will be investing in for nemesis for example to help me cut down that setup time a little bit will be a decent box insert yeah would you say that when when you are faced with a, a game setup like this do you think it's easier to leave it all in the box insert and go from the book and just sort of step by step and then find it as and when or do you find it easier to empty everything out into piles and then do the setup i tend to get it out of the box as i'm doing it i mean i've i've got pretty good with the nemesis setup now i've memorized most of it yeah um, it's usually the bits that I stumble over are bits that are tied to player count. Yes. Yeah. So I have to sort of remind me, okay, so if I've got this many players, how many of these do I need sort of yeah. thing? And then I have to reference the rule, but, but most of the other bits is like, it's just, you can memorize it pretty yeah. easily. And that really does help reduce the setup time on that game. I mean, you, you just brought up another very, very good point there with the, with the different setups for different amounts of players you know smartphone i have that as mm. well with the different setups you've got nemesis and, and uh you know a myriad of other games that have different setups with the different players is that added complexity for the sake of adding adding setup complexity or is the you know is the payoff good enough when it comes to scalability i mean i think the payoff is good enough when it comes to scalability because being able to play these games at well at all of their stated Mm, um player counts is is important and i think it's also important that the games designer has designed the setup well with that in mind like i would say like for nemesis you draft a lot of the character stuff there's actually the two the the setup is split Mm. into board setup and player setup the board setup has is the bit that usually takes the longest. It involves getting all the bits out. Most of the stuff that would involve changing is in the player setup, yeah. which you have to wait for all the players to arrive. So you know how many players you've got and you can do it there and then. I think that's quite well designed. Yeah. That the bits that are going to cause problems, like say if someone drops out, you haven't spent ages setting it up and going, oh, well, now I've got to change all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think that most games that have those sort that sort of a, a setup, if someone does have to drop out right at the last minute for whatever reason, it might be a good reason, might be a terrible reason, mm. but it happens. People drop out at the very last minute. 
most of these games, from what I've seen, it's minimal amounts of change that you have to do. Yeah, but there but, are some... I mean, it's been a while since I've played it, so correct me if I'm wrong, but Legendary was one that suffered from that with like mm. amounts of bystanders in the bystander deck or something yeah, like that. Yeah. If a player drops out and it's like, oh, we've got to remove all... It's, I spent ages putting that deck together. And exactly. Now I've got to take all of this... Yeah, and and in those circumstances, it does become a real pain because if you, it's not too bad if you're maybe in the middle of the setup because then you can just alter things, you know, right then and there. But if you've already built the decks, you've shuffled the decks. Yeah, you've now got to go through all of those decks, and they're big decks. Yeah, you know, right? I've got to take this out. Right? Well, okay, I've taken them out. Right? What else have I got to take out? I've got to take out this, especially in games like that. And to me. I've I've had it a couple of times. I was like, oh, actually, I don't I don't really want to go against that villain. It's like, well, tough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, just spent, I've just spent 45 minutes shuffling bloody cards. You're going against this villain. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if we've got time afterwards, I'll happily redo the decks and we can go against a different villain. But I've built this. We're going against this villain. Now, I know some people are not as... Uh, brash as me shall we say is a a very nice way of putting it that would probably then go okay fine and they'll start taking the decks apart and rebuilding it and i think i mean something like that would only ever really happen i would imagine if someone if the person had said that maybe doesn't have experience at how much of a pain it can be to yeah actually have to redo something like a, a deck building game from basically from scratch yeah because, again, something like that, if you change the villain, you're changing the henchman. You're also changing, you're probably going to change the mission that they're going to do, which means changing all of the schemes and all of the, all of the, you know, master strikes and stuff like that. And, you know, this is just Marvel Legendary or any other legendary systems. Most deck builders operate on that same principle. So mm-hmm. would you say that they're probably one of the worst I would when say, it comes to yeah, setup? some of the worst offenders are deck builders. Yeah. Is it worth it? That's the question. I don't know. I'm very much like you. I have to be in the mood to play Marvel Legendary Mm. and uh, I don't have to set the damn thing up. Yeah. I mean, you you have helped me a couple of times and I'm very grateful for that because, again, (laughs) you know the system, but you don't know the setup. Mm. So sometimes it is just for it's it's easier for me to sort of go, right, help me set up. But by helping me just choose what villain you want to go against. Mm read their card, tell me, and pick out the henchmen that it requires. Mm-hmm. I will do the rest. Yeah. You know, pick out five heroes, because then I can just build the deck from that. Remembering to put some X-Men in if we're going against Magneto. Oh, yes, yes. It's one of our <laughs> worst mistakes, that yes. one. <laughs> ah, we physically can't win. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing when it comes to set up. It, it, sometimes, would you say, and and I was guilty of it on that particular time, where I skimmed over a particular rather essential thing, which was reading Magneto's cards. Yep. You know, if I'd actually read them, I would have known that I had to set that game up completely differently. Instead, I did the decent thing instead of saying, no, everyone can choose their their heroes. Yep. And we all ended up choosing our favourites, and then we built the deck and then found out halfway through the game... You can't actually hurt him unless you've got an X-Men. That you had to have someone with the X-Men keyword to actually hit him. So it's like... Maybe it's because I was stressed. Maybe it's because I just was fed up with the set. I was like, right, let's just get it done. Mm. And I didn't take the time to do it properly. And therefore, we all suffered in that game. It was still a good game. We had a good laugh. Yeah. 
but there was no hope in hell that we could have ever won it. Mm-hmm. You know, we were basically playing to lose in that game. And I can't help but say, I think the setup was partially, partially responsible, responsible for that. So a question that I, I do have for you, James, is given the option, would you prefer to play a game? If you were to, if you were setting up a game, you had a game night of your own, it wasn't involving me or any of my games. Yep. If you had the choice with your own games library that you definitely have at this time would you prefer it's to play there, mate. A... i'm thinking of purchasing my second game oh. thank you very much <laughs> the world is definitely going to come to an end good sir but I, yes I, i'm going to text you one day and tell you i've bought a calax and you're going to have a heart attack <laughs> it's going to be the most lonely calax in the world with two <laughs> games on it but yeah if you had the choice would you rather play a game with minimal setup or one with convoluted long setup see this is a hard question for me because as far as games go i tend to prefer the bigger more complex games which naturally as we've established come with the longer setup times but i firmly believe that they are you you spread them few and far between in your game night so i would rather do five uh five or six uh game nights of quick easy to set up games where you can get a few games in in the night yep yep and then that seventh is the special one to go, right, we're breaking Scythe or Nemesis. Yeah, this or, is the big one. Yeah, this is the big one. Because if you if you stagger your game nights like that, those big box games, the the, the long setup time is paid off by the fact it's all yeah. we're breaking the big box out. Yeah. So you, you sort of feel that maybe the setup is is offset by the anticipation of the game. Of the weeks of waiting to, to play. Of, the, of game. the game, yeah. The anticipation of playing the game makes the setup setup worth it. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you know, if you play if you played a game like Scythe or Nemesis every week, yeah, the setup would just become monotonous. Yeah. You would just oh, place this, place this, place this, place this. Three weeks in a flipping row. I can just imagine you having <laughs> yeah. nightmares, literally reading the the setup guide word for word yeah. in the middle of the night and, you know, your partner leaves you because she's fed up with hearing the setup process of this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, the, um, if you, sta- like I said, if you stagger them out, uh, then it makes that big box game special. Yeah. And I think that's where big box games deserve to sit in that special place. Yeah. It's like, oh, we're breaking this. Yeah, you know, or, or you know, on week three of your six day run, it's like right, three weeks time, we're gonna break this out. Yeah, that's good, and I, th- I think it has uh, other healthy aspects of building the anticipation to those games as well. So, mm. yeah, I I think that maybe that's probably the the good thing. I, I'd like to, I really would like to at least get Marvel Legendary back to the table. It's been well over a year mm. since I played that game, and the amount of times I've looked at it and gone. I really, really want to play that. And then the, the, the game night comes and I, I I pick up the monster suitcase that it's in and pick up my, my neoprene mat ready to go. And I just sit there and think, I, I really can't be bothered mm. tonight, which is a real shame because I do love the game, as I've said. But it does make me ask myself the question. and I will ask that question to you now. Do you think that setup fatigue would ever put you off of a game permanently? No. Because as I, I as I stated in my previous answer, is like, I think if I started to feel that way, I would rotate it into the back burner, yeah, and then bring it round in a couple of months, yeah, yeah. Give, uh, give you give yourself a chance to miss it, yeah. basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously, if you if you're going to be playing the same game every week, uh, multiple levels of it is going to become monotonous, yeah. But I I think 
you know, as as much as I say that, that, that Marvel Legendary has has been at the bottom of pile of shame for quite some time now because of its setup, it's still very high in my list of games I absolutely love. Yep. And I can't ever see me wanting to get rid of it or never playing it again. Yeah. You well, know, may, maybe this is where another thing comes in. It's another discussion I want to have in the future, but bloat. You know, bloating games. Add it has adding too many expansions to my game caused this issue. Mm. Because if I'm talking about base game Marvel Legendary, yeah, it's a deck builder, but there isn't as much choice yeah. to have to wade through to, to do that setup. So is this a issue that I have created yeah. myself? Through bloating it. You know, so again, very good good discussion for the future is is bloat within games and when is too much. But yeah, I, I can't see ever a game ever being that monotonous that you would never want to play it again just purely based on the setup but yeah with that statement i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna guarantee there's a couple of comments coming our way of oh you've clearly never played this or you've never played that well no exactly because i mean there are games out there big games that i've never played yeah we've already mentioned one twilight yeah. imperium 4 i would love to know what other games are out there that, that people have come across and gone well, yeah, no, this this was just so bad. Yeah. That, no, but know, I mean, in, in relation to your actual question, it's like, is, is there a game where the setup mm. alone has caused someone to go, nope, never again? Yeah. If there is, please let yeah. us know. I would genuinely like to know that. But yeah, uh, I'll ask you one more question, James, before we, uh, before we hand over to Paul. Um, and that is, would you say the games with quicker and easier setups are more likely to see the table on a more frequent basis, purely based on the fact that their setup is that much quicker. Yeah, I think on, on game nights, absolutely, because it is a case, for like, we, like we've already said, it's like just most of them are tip the components out. Or they might have a tiny bit of setup, but it's pretty much right. We're playing this. Sit down. Go. Yeah. First yeah. turn. And you, you think it's purely because of the quick setup that we know we can get yep. gaming quickly, we can pack it away quickly, then we can do exactly the same with the next game. Yep. And you reckon it's because you'll get more games in the time that yep. would, would be just for one. Obviously, the double-edged sword of that is that you have to have enough of them so they don't get samey. Yes. And you don't end up playing the same games over and over again and getting bored of them. Which are, Hence, suppose... you end up like Jason with his Calax full of games. <laughs> And it all boils down to our last topical discussion, which was on value as well. So it's kind of a an extension of that value uh, aspect of games. I still get value in those games that I'm not putting on the table because I love them so much. But it is a bit of a downer on the value because I'm not playing them as much as I probably would have done if their setup was a bit quicker. So, yeah, anything else you want to say very quickly, James, before we hand over? No, let's hand over to Paul. Awesome stuff. Before we do, guys, like I said, if any of you have got any comments on this, let us know on any of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Discord. Links to all of those are in the podcast description. But we're going to disappear for a few minutes while Paul gives you the news and what I am spending my money on this week. Um, Brian, where do you think you're off to? UKGE. You do know that's not till the end of May, not the beginning. No, 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 young man. I said the end of May, beginning of June. You need to take more baths and clear those ear holes out a bit more. And hang on, who said you were coming? 
you've still got a lot of chores from last month waiting to be done, let alone this month's. Well, you'd better get to it then, wouldn't you? For your information, we're leaving Thursday, 2nd of June, okay? So it better all be done. And someone, I'm not naming names, but someone may have got us entry to the press event on the Thursday evening. So if you do come with us, you'll have to be on your best behaviour, won't you? You promise me? Well, you need to get your chores done first before you go anywhere. Hang on, before you go and finally get started on those, you know what time it is. Punch it. As if Gale Force 9's announcement last week of Firefly misbehaving, entering orbit in the coming months wasn't enough, The Dune, a game of conquest and diplomacy publisher, is bringing us a board game based on the tabletop role-playing game Starfinder. Starfinder, Pirates of Skydock, has two to four players becoming a band of thieves attempting to steal a high-tech ship. As a member of a crew of Galactic's ne'er-do-wells, the players must hijack and fly away on their target ship so they can carry out their ultimate goal of being fearsome space pirates. However, besides the various security teams patrolling the sky dock and the owners of the ship itself, the players will also have to compete with themselves. As rival crew members, the players scramble in the space-themed board game in order to win the title of captain before flying off into the stars. Throughout the game, players take turns to complete various objectives spread across the ship, using their abilities, stats and equipment to successfully do their tasks and gain the support of the rest of the crew. As the game progresses, players will be able to customise their character to gain access to new abilities and styles of play, opening up new approaches in the process. Besides the power struggle between the rival crew members, the players will also have to worry about the authorities closing in on their attempted theft, with the crew needing to launch the ship before it goes into lockdown. Whichever player has the most support by the time the ship successfully flies off, if it is not otherwise detained by the authorities, becomes the captain and is named the winner. A spin-off from the fantasy tabletop RPG Pathfinder, Starfinder is a tabletop role-playing game that has players creating characters who embark on adventures throughout a galaxy of magic and mystery. Players are able to make characters using a variety of playable species, from more traditional elves and dwarves to stranger beings like humanoid rat people and lizard people, and classes with some being based on magic use and others on weaponry. Starfinder, Pirates of Skydock, will be landing sometime in August this year with a retail price penciled in at around £47 or $60. Who'd have thunk it? The weekend-hugging 4X behemoth that is the one and only Twilight Imperium is getting an unlikely spin-off in the form of a roll and write? And I've checked the date. We are definitely in May. No April Fools here. Called Twilight Imperium Inscription, the upcoming roll and write game was announced as part of a Twilight Imperium reveal video from series publisher Fantasy Flight Games. Inscription will reportedly be a typical roll and write style game, meaning that players roll a pool of dice and use its results in order to score points or perform actions that will feature thematic elements from the Twilight Imperium universe. Fantasy Flight has stated that the space-themed roll-and-write game will be epic, 
and the biggest roll and write board game ever. Inscriptions designer James Kniffin was inspired to create the game because of their love of the roll and write genre and the fact that there hasn't been a new entry in the Twilight Imperium franchise for several years. With Inscription taking cues from the series 4X elements, Explore, Expand, Exploit and Exterminate. Further details surrounding Inscription's gameplay are yet to be revealed, but the upcoming game will enable players to explore Twilight Imperium's galaxy, take control of various planets and develop them, as well as establish an economy. In line with what Twilight Imperium franchise is best known for, players in Inscription will also be able to engage in warfare with their rivals. Besides designing Twilight Imperium Inscription, Kniffin is responsible for co-creating Warhammer 40,000 themed board game Forbidden Stars and the Star Wars miniatures game Star Wars Armada, as well as designing Civilization and New Dawn, another entry in the beloved strategy board game series. Twilight Imperium is a series of board games set within a science fiction universe populated by various different species and factions all of whom are fighting for control of the galaxy. In the main 4X board game, now in its fourth edition, players take control of one of those warring factions and attempt to outsmart their opponents, travelling to different planets and developing them beyond the other worlds. Whichever player collects 10 victory points before anyone else is named the game's winner. With such engaging, beautifully designed games like Cottage Garden, Agrigola, a feast for Odin, and Patchwork to his name, Hugh Rosenberg's next foray into the gaming world seems a little off-piste. As we head into the historic German Canal Network in Orienheinenberger Canal, the upcoming board game shares some similarities to the designer's previous release, Patchwork, revolving itself around a seemingly unassuming and unrelated topic, that of the historic canals of Brandenburg during the 19th century. The Oreo-Neinenberger Canal was constructed during the years 1832 to 1837 in order to enable goods to be transported along the Havel River to the various businesses that required them. Situated just outside Berlin, the Oreo-Neinenberger Canal supported Germany's Industrial Revolution, with various companies being formed alongside the waterway in order to take advantage of its connections to the mills in the city. As business owners operating during the 1800s, players will be competing to develop their industries around the passageway. On top of the various structures that can be built, players will also be able to construct roads, tracks and bridges to further connect the canal with the region. The two-player game will take place over a course of seven rounds, which will begin with players taking part in an action phase. The action phase has the duo taking a total of five actions, with the starting player for the round being able to perform three actions, whilst the other player can only take two. Using their assigned number of action tokens, players place them on the spaces on the board that represent the actions that they want to perform that round. Each space will offer players different options, with some enabling the building of a structure and a path, whilst others allowing the player to gain a certain number of type of resource. Building structures cost resources, which players can also get at the end of each round depending on where the hands of their resource wheels are pointing. Players can score points from the industry boards wherever a structure is either surrounded by four routes or is connected to other two structures via two bridges. 
Whichever player has the most points by the end of 7 rounds is named the winner. An optional solo game mode will also be available. Oyanine and Burger Canal is on crowdfunding site GameFound at the moment and is live until the 14th of May. And that segues us nicely into crowdfunding this week. And here we go and all three of these are on Kickstarter at the moment. Up first is G.I. Joe Mission Critical by Renegade Game Studios. It's for 2 to 5 players, takes 45 to 60 minutes to complete. It's for ages 14 years and over and it ends on Friday, May the 13th. G.I. Joe Mission Critical is a cooperative miniatures board game for 2 to 5 players. Work together to stop Cobra's nefarious schemes in location hotspots around the world and try to defeat Cobra Commander himself to save the day. So select your team from the likes of Duke, Snake Eyes and Scarlet, lock and load and roll out to take on the likes of the Baroness, Dr. Mindbender, Copperhead, together with the Cobra Troopers. Go Joes! G.I. Joe Mission Critical uses the Guardian system, providing a tense, challenging and cooperative gaming experience. The game features finely detailed miniatures for both the G.I. Joe and Cobra Forces. For £79 or $99 gets you the No Average Joe Pledge, which gets you the base game, the Retro Snake Eyes and an exclusive Vehicle Pack promo. Or go all in for £116 or $145 for the game, the Heavy Fire Power Expansion, an extra set of critical dice, as well as the Snake Eyes and Vehicle Promo Packs. Next up is Spirit Duels by Daniel Miller. It's for two players, takes 30 to 60 minutes to complete, 12 years and over, and ends on Tuesday, May the 24th. Spirit Jewels is a fast-paced card game of dice-driven combat. Lead a team of magical creatures known as spirits into battle against your opponent. Command and evolve your spirits to gain the advantage in combat and defeat your rivals. At the start of the game, each player drafts three different classes from a shared pool. Then players will use their classes they drafted to form a team of spirits and build a deck of cards. Players begin the game with their team of spirits in play. Over the course of the game, players can spend essence to evolve these spirits into stronger stages. Each spirit has dice that you roll when you activate them. Dice allow you to attack, gain essence and use powerful class-specific abilities. Play cards from your hand to fix your dice when they don't roll what you want or even manipulate your opponent's dice to disrupt their plans. Pledge at £39 or $49 for a copy of the game plus all unlocked base stretch goals. Or grab the Radiant Pledge for £47 or $59 which will get you the game, three Kickstarter exclusive foil character cards, all unlocked stretch goals and your name in the credits of the rulebook. And lastly on crowdfunding is Citrus by Sean Lee. It's for 1-4 to four players, it's going to take you about 20 minutes per player. It's for 14 years and over, and it ends on Wednesday, 24th of May. Welcome to Citrus. You play as a rebel merc who has zeroed in on one goal, to get into Stratos, Earth's largest sky hub. It is in this sky colony where you will find Earth's most powerful, wealthiest and most influential individuals. These people enjoy having the largest portion of the pie, not to mention toying with the lives of everyone else here on Earth the underbelly, as the inhabitants of Stratos love to call it. 
but you are not the type who tolerates these kinds of apathetic, arrogant attitudes. You must challenge those obligarchs and get into Stratos. You consider this action to be a show of defiance, proof that the Leviathan City is not exclusively for the powerful. But first you must establish a name in the underbelly, a strategy that will help in getting you and your crew into Stratos. Unfortunately, this is a journey that's not free from danger. Stratos has high security, and authorities have their eyes on the gates 24-7. Anyone caught entering illegally is subject to instant termination without trial. Fortunately, you have found a way in. The tubes, vertical shafts that serve as the city's waste chutes. The tubes will be your one-way ticket to Wonderland, your only chance of acquiring a large portion of the pie. Of course, you will need the help of your crew to get in. So hone your skills, upgrade your abilities, and procure as many supplies as possible to achieve your objective. You must employ cunning strategies and pick the juiciest missions among the lot, regardless of which faction you choose. Remember to use your key abilities to your advantage, that's how you can outwit the competition and eventually win the game. So do you have what it takes to become a part of Stratos's elite citizenry, or do you want to live a continued oppressed existence in the underbelly? You can pledge at £45 for Citrus Founders experience, getting you the game and access to the pledge manager. The narrative experience pledge gets you the game, four mission packs and access to the pledge manager for £75. The cyberpunk experience pledge for £121 gets you the game, six expansions, origin storybook and pledge manager access. And the Divine Pledge for £349 gets you the game, six expansions, the Origin Storybook, name acknowledgement in the rulebook and Origin Story, access to the Pledge Manager along with being able to name one of the Stratolites within the game, and a meet with the designer Sean Lee himself. And we're heading on over to events. Tuesdays is Worthing Board Gamers, first night of the week down at the Dice Worthing store from 7pm until 10pm. Just £3 cover charge with what I hear is a fantastic menu. Location of the store is 24 to 26 Portland Road, Worthing, BN11 1QN. Wednesdays has Crawley Gaming Community being hosted at the comic shop, 42 High Street, Crawley RH10 1BW. Tending to gather from 6ish onwards until close, again £3 per evening. Thursday sees three groups running in the form of Worthing Board Gamers, second night of the week, down at the Ardington Hotel, Steen Gardens, Worthing, BN11 3DZ, from 7pm. Dave is over at Lewis Board Game Club at the Trinity Gaming Cafe, Arbinger Place, Lewis, BN7 2QA, from 7pm through to 11pm. Jake and Chris would like to welcome you to Dyson Drinks, 79-81 Church Walk, Burgess Hill, RH15, 9BQ, for their Thursday evening socials. And lastly is Crawley Gaming Club, and they're always there for you on a Monday evening. They'll be up and running from 6pm over at the Tilgate Community Centre, Shackleton Road, Crawley, RH10, 5DF, and just £3 per head over there. Oh, 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 Brian! And I've got a bit of good news too. No, 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 your chores still aren't done yet. You know Abby from Surrey Board Game Group? Yeah, I know you like Abby. Well, Abby and her husband Rob 
welcomed their little baby boy, Jackson James, into the world this past week. And I would just like to welcome the latest Meeple into the fold and congratulate Abby and Rob once again, as I'm sure all of our listeners would like to too. Well, no, um, Ian, one of the faithful Meeples, has stepped up and agreed to run Surrey Board Gaming Group for the foreseeable future and managed to secure a new premises too. But more information on that when we approach their next gaming day. So before you head back to work, say goodbye to everyone. Oh, and you blew them a kiss too, that's nice. Who was that for, the baby or Abby? Gathered as much. And it's a goodbye from me. Keep safe, meeples. Keep those dice rolling, the cards shuffling, and we'll be right here for you next week. Thank you very much for that, Paul. And thank you guys for joining us once again for another topical discussion. This time we were talking about setups of games and how that they might well put you off of playing those games for some time james how did you think this one went this was a really interesting one yeah it was although we did stick in the realm of board board games you know Mm. then there's the whole minefield of war games and their setup times well yeah that's very very true and and with war games it's even worse because it's not just the setup of the game it's the planning of the the army list Yep. You know, which you do well ahead of time. And then, you know, if you're a competitive player, you'll turn up and you'll see the other opponent's list and sort of go, oh, hang on a minute, I need to make some changes. Yeah. They'll then, do the same, you'll do the same. They'll do the same. Then there's getting all your miniatures out and yep. then there's deployment and then there's, I haven't kept up to date with all the rules, but yep. then there's like stratagems and all that kind of stuff in there now. And I'm just like... See, <laughs> scenery placement, that's a big thing nowadays. Yep. You know, and height of scenery is, oh, you'll measure the height of the scenery. What's the, you know, there's so much out there war games are probably worse than board games for, oh, yeah. for that matter yeah they take up a bigger space as well so yeah very good point to bring up the war games there james so maybe that's another discussion we can have uh, at some I, I, point. I think war games set up requires it's a whole episode on yeah, that one yeah i think we're, we are going to start dipping our toe i think back into a few more war games uh topics shall we say we yeah we won't be I don't think we'll be doing any game highlights for the time being. Yep. Well, that would require one of us to play them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I am genuinely wanting to try out the the one-page rules ones, so there there may well be some of those in the future. But, James, we're preparing at the moment, aren't we? Because you're not going to be here next week. No, I'm not going to be here next week. You are gallivanting off on a holiday. The one that I should have gone on two years ago, thanks (laughs) COVID. (laughs) Are you looking forward to a week off and a, oh, week, a week away? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've finally worked out how to get this shackle off. <laughs> you just asked me nicely for the key. That's all it took, James. You you asked for holiday. I graciously granted it as the overlord that I am. So next week, I believe I'm letting Paul out of the shed. He's going to come in here and have a little bit of discussion with me. We may well have an interview next week, providing we can align the stars. But uh, short of that, there will still be an episode, even if it's just me on my little Todd. So until next week, I've been Jason. And I've been James. Join me next week for more tabletop gaming goodness. Ta-ta. Goodbye. Goodbye.